episode i cannot lie it is very early in the morning by my standards it is 6 a.m <laughs> literally the ass crack of dawn anyways so mac why are you sitting down recording a podcast at 6 a.m on a wednesday morning because it is the only time that my house is even remotely quiet now if you remember from the first episode i talked about my big family they aren't quiet people so like i would prefer to do this in the evening and if i lived alone that's exactly what i would do because I have more energy then, and it would just be, my brain cells are there. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I don't really have a choice unless you want to hear chihuahuas screaming in the background or something like that. Anyways, I kind of hope they don't listen to these if I'm being totally honest with you, because if they did, I would never hear the end of it. But they haven't said anything so far, so I think we're okay. I'm not trying to be a further disappointment to my family, if you know what I'm saying. I already think Thanksgiving is going to be this year. (laughs) I'm not excited for that. I'm just ready. Like, can we just skip to Christmas, please? Like, I'm so thankful for them. I love them with my whole soul. But I feel like I'm embarrassing myself sometimes. I feel like that's a common trend in anything I do art-wise. Is like, I always have this feeling of like, oh, I'm not qualified for this. Like, why? who gave me the right to make a podcast? (laughs) And it's actually so easy today. Like, you should totally make one if you want to. It's not hard at all. But I still, I found out that there was a name for this and it comes from me listening to interviews with the directors constantly. It's called imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome, sorry, tongue twist. And it's not an officialized name. It's just kind of like what everyone in the industry has resorted to calling it. It's basically when you walk into an environment or just like any environment, I guess, where you don't feel like you fit in. So you're just faking it until you make it, which is exactly what I'm doing. If that wasn't ridiculously obvious to anyone. But Olivia Wilde, who I'll be talking about today, she actually mentioned this in one of her interviews. She's like, I felt like I had to have an encyclopedic knowledge of like lens sizes and everything. And like, that's me with podcasting is I feel like not until this episode, I kind of figured out how to do audio and things like that. Like, I'll be honest, I was going through and cutting out every time that my mouth made a weird noise. Like whether you realize it or not, when you're talking, your tongue makes this like clicking sound. And I didn't want my listeners to be like, that's some ASMR shit right there. So I was going through and I was cutting them out. And for a 30 minute episode, like the interstellar one, that took like two hours. And I guess my tongue is just hyperactive all the time because I felt like I was making so many spit noises. And then I sat back and I had like a little mental cleanse with myself, if you will. And I was like, you're trying too hard, Mac. Like you're literally trying too hard because you feel like you're not good enough for this. Like, you know what? No one told you that you aren't like you are. You just have to tell yourself that you are. So um, this is me not trying as hard. With that being said, I don't have anything sitting in front of me for this episode. Like this is full on 100% Mac Johnson right here. I literally love movies with my entire mind, body, and soul. I have I want to dedicate my life to this. It is single-handedly the one thing that I am fully confident in. Like I might not be confident in my ability to do things, but I am confident that this love is never ending. And I know for a fact that I could go on and on about even just one movie for hours. So I was like, why are you laying out bullet point by bullet point everything you want to talk about? I was like, just talk about it. Like, let it come naturally. And I feel like that's going to make this more enjoyable for you as well. So I'm, I'm going to stop caring what people think. 
And if this has been a reoccurring theme in your life as well, take it the advice from me if you want to. I'm not saying that I'm like omniscient or anything, <laughs> but don't care what people think. That is inevitably going to make everything so much harder on you. Now, if you're staring back, looking at your your view count or your like count or your comment section, literally stop. You, you are doing this for an audience. That is known. You want people to like your stuff. That's art. It's for an audience. It's to make them feel something. Sometimes you have to sit back and go, well, what about me? What about my emotions? What about my feelings? What am I doing for myself? So not only is this podcast going to benefit you, and like I said, I want you guys to watch movies differently, but I'm also watching movies differently. Like I am looking into things so much more intensively than I ever have. And I love that. I don't ever want to undermine that, which is what I've been feeling. Like I'll go back and I'll listen to my own episodes over and over again to the point where I hate my own voice. And I'm like, dude, quit. <laughs> like, this is fun. Why do we have to make it? A chore. And I feel like in my life, it's just been this reoccurring theme of like stress. And to the point where I'm not stressed and I get everything done, I'm like, I don't know how to not be stressed. Like, I need something to worry about. And then I don't know. It's just like until this week, I've been like, stop, kid, quit. <laughs> it can be a good time. So that's what I'm trying to do with this episode. And I feel like this is the perfect movie to have a good time to. Um, it is a comedy. If you have not seen Booksmart, it's kind of raunchy. It's kind of really fun. It kind of is nostalgic and all these other adjectives that I can't seem to think of right now because it's just so overwhelmingly awesome. It's literally one of my favorite movies of all time. And for these first episodes, I've been picking movies that are my favorite movies of all time. One to help me get into the swing of this. I'm like, let's do movies that I know and love that didn't come out super recently because I can go on and on about them. And it just comes more naturally. And you're probably asking, Mac, why is a raunchy comedy movie one of your favorite movies of all time? And it has nothing to do with the fact that it is comedic, surprisingly. Although that does, that's a perk. I'm not going to lie. That is, that makes it better. This movie is my favorite because like I, I have separation anxiety from this movie. I don't know how else to explain it. Like I am so emotionally attached to these characters. Mainly because Amy reminds me of myself. Like, I am Amy IRL. I want to know her. I want to meet her. Like, I want to sit down and have coffee with her. And in doing my research of this movie, Olivia Wilde, who directed this film, actually said that, like, these girls, um, Beanie and Amy, but not Amy Wilde, Beanie and Caitlin, the actors, they're a lot like their characters. And it wasn't typecasted. Well, it kind of was to a degree because they did seek them out, but mainly because their performance, not because of who they are as people. But then they met them in person and Olivia was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I think like having them having such a close relationship through the shoot and like they're now friends to this day, that greatly affected their performance because this is a movie about two best friends. And in watching this movie, like some of the conversations they have, like there's some great one-liners in this film. However, they're not... They're not unrealistic. And I think that's what makes it so valuable to some people is because it's not a movie about labels, even though they're definitely there. There are distinguishable characteristics that these characters possess. However, they're not defining to them because they don't let them be defining to them. Now, if you'll notice in today's episode, like this seems to be a reoccurring theme of like, be yourself, do what you want to do. And I cannot emphasize that enough. Like that is definitely one of the takeaway themes from this movie. And 
going off of the topic of labels, just to elaborate a little bit on what I'm saying and tie into the broader theme, definitely the main theme that you need to take away from this. I'm going to word this very loosely. I'm going to paraphrase it. It's not going to be beautifully constructed. I'm just going to spit it out. It's the fact that you have a straight woman and a gay woman. However, that does not affect their friendship. Olivia Wilde said that, Amy, if you were to lay out her traits, the fact that she's gay would be so far down the list. She is so many things before that. Being gay is a part of her. It is not at all who she is. Yes, we see it throughout this movie, but it's in such a way, I feel like gay movies especially are like over-sexualized. This one is not. The only like sex scene, and I put that in quotation marks, is very... I mean, it's normal. It's realistic. It's messy. It's goofy. Like, she literally sticks it in the wrong hole. Like, I don't know how else to explain that. And then she's drunk, so she throws up all over the other girl. And it's just, it's not perfect. It's not sexy. Like, it's, it's what it is. It is a representation of being a young woman who is afraid of this thing that she's never, she's never tried before. She's never experienced, but she knows herself. She knows who she is and she, owes it to no one to explain. That is a very private instance, and I love the way the movie conveys that. And with Amy and Molly, like, they don't, like, I feel like some viewers will anticipate, oh, they'll end up together in the end. Like, no, you don't think that for a second. Like, it's a movie about women and their friendship and how deep and unquestionable that is. That is why this is one of my favorite movies. It resonates with me in unfathomable ways. And I feel like it should resonate with you too, even though you might not bear some of the same labels. It's very important to acknowledge that people in the world are this way. And I feel like that's been undermined a lot with the ongoing events in our world. People don't have empathy for those people because they themselves have never been in their shoes. But I highly suggest watching some of these movies, even if it's outside of your comfort zone, because it is important to acknowledge the existence of those people. Hell, to do more than that, to appreciate them as people and acknowledge that they are so much more than that one label. And Olivia Wilde herself is not someone who can say that she bears the same label, but she is so intentional in the way she portrays it. So even if you don't fill the shoes of a character like Amy, then be like Olivia Wilde. Like, appreciate it. Want to tell the story right. When you're making a movie, it's important to watch other movies that are potentially like your movie. Like they have some similar qualities. With that being said, Olivia watched a lot of teen movies. So like The Breakfast Club, and then you have like Clueless. Now to go off of the idea of Clueless, to me, I find it to be so stereotypical. And the character that is gay is just, he's undermined. Like it's like, oh, you're gay. Like you're not relevant to the story anymore. Like I've always hated that. And then you get a movie that's more recent, like Love, Simon, whereas I feel like on his list of traits, him being gay is literally the first one. And I don't think that's how it should be. It's overdramatized when in reality, like it's not that way. It romanticizes it. Like it makes it a loving, accepting film in the end. Like you get to exhale now, Simon. Like it's not like that for everyone else. And like Amy, she doesn't have, like her parents are accepting. That's not something she has to worry about. But there's the, the fear. There's still that fear that's noticeable as she like pursues her first relationship. And when you find out that it does work out in the end, like I don't know about you, but I was like so excited for her, even though she's not real. 
Because film is a reflection of life. Once you take those qualities and you project them onto the existence around you, like like I said, you're going to see the world differently. Which is why I think film is so important. Like It's not entertainment anymore. We need to look beyond that. This movie greatly plays on our emotions of past and present and of the future and what it should be like. You think you know this movie going into it. Like, it's the night of graduation. Partying will happen. But it's so uniquely crafted through the characters that it keeps the audience watching. Like, you haven't lived this. But, like, man, you're going to want to after this. Like, graduation, I feel like, to everyone is nostalgic. However, it's so... Not only is it funny, but, like, it, it just keeps you wanting more. Like, I don't know how else to say it. There's not really anything else to say. Like, it... It resonates with you, and you don't really know why, unless you're like me and overanalyze everything. Now, this overall like umbrella of the film, if you will, it comes from the combined ideas of the creators. And in learning about this film, I found it to be kind of unusual. Because like to me, like you have the director, and that's like the say so and everything. But Olivia Wilde, one, this was her directorial debut. This was the first like official feature film that she had ever directed. And she has a very interesting way of doing things. And I, I love this about her. <laughs> Honestly, learning about her this week has been what, you know, tethered me to my own existence and like made me feel more for myself. Anyway, she said she takes the combined ideas of the creators. They left so much room for change in this film, whether that be giving the actors the power to improvise in some scenes or accepting that like hey, maybe we might want to shoot this differently in regards to the DP. Like she said, she would just give him an emotion and be like, run with it. And I think it worked. Like to me, I'm always fearful to do something like that. Seeing this, it makes me feel like I want to do that in my future because I do want to direct one day. And this goes back to the imposter syndrome like I was talking about earlier. Wilde said that she felt like she wasn't qualified for some things. And in an interview, she actually said that she admits what she doesn't know. It's not really discussed, but that's a tribulation that filmmakers have. Like, oh, do I act like I know everything or do I admit that I don't know everything? And she's like, no, I straight up told them like, oh, I don't really know, but here's kind of what I'm going for. And then she would give people who had their specialization in what she was talking about, the power, not really to show off, but to show out like what they were going for. That adds to the overall quality of the film, in my opinion. Everyone on set, pre-production, you name it, they were all so intentional, including in the casting of this film. They wanted actors who could improvise. like They knew that they were going to do things this way going in. And the natures of the two leads, Caitlin and Beanie, they actually are a lot like their characters in real life. Olivia said they are both intellectual, empowering women that she was thrilled to work with. They actually scouted them for this. Like it wasn't an audition. Like they wanted Caitlin and Beanie. <laughs> now for roles like the role of Alan, they were auditioned for by Noah and Austin for the same role, but their performances in auditions were so different, but so good that it became two characters. So this is like I said, like the script is greatly changing like all the time. A role like Gigi became possible. I don't think Gigi was in the original screenplay, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Billy Lord, they casted her for that role. And she's Carrie Fisher's daughter, if you didn't know. I love Carrie Fisher. I miss her. 
And she said, I'm Gigi when no one's watching. Like, Gigi is such a quirky, weird character that like, you can't, I can't even put to words what Gigi is. Gigi is my favorite character in this movie, despite the fact that I think I'm like actually Amy IRL, but like Gigi's still my favorite. Fun fact, Billy and Beanie actually went to high school together. And Billy always said high school was so strange for her. People branded her life as one thing due to her being Carrie Fisher's daughter. When in reality, she worked her ass off. She was like, this is why it feels nice to play a character like Gigi, because she literally gives zero fucks. And like, it makes the movie so funny. And I feel like people undermine Gigi because of like all the crazy instances that she's in. But like, still, you can't ignore the fact, like the beauty of like her not caring. And then she got into her dream school, which is literally Harvard, which she said was her fifth choice. She's like, don't judge me. It was my fifth choice. Now, Caitlin and Beanie didn't know each other before filming, and Olivia was kind of worried that they would butt heads because they are so similar in real life. But within like 20 minutes, they had asked if they could live together because they literally hit it off. And I think their connection to each other as people greatly affected their characters because this is a story about two best friends and like having that relationship be realistic and wholesome and wholehearted. Like you want to do that correctly. You want to reflect what a real friendship is like. And there were so many conversations in the movie. I'm like, I feel like I have actually had that conversation with my best friend. Even the weird ones. I won't lie. We talk about everything. She knows me in and out. It's kind of freaky. In regards to writing and stuff, because I don't know if you haven't noticed, but I'm not doing an organizational thing for this episode. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Booksmart is a three-act structure and it does identify as a comedy, like I said, but it has a very dramatic third act. And this I love it. It establishes the theme even more so because graduation is really emotional. And for this year, I can relate to this kind of not really their exact graduation day, but I know the feeling. Now, I'm a part of the class of 2020. So, you know, the one with the pandemic, we came together in ways that I, I think about it all the time. <laughs> there was so much love in that moment. Like We weren't allowed to hug each other or touch each other, but the pure, raw emotion, the excitement. It was, there was so many tears. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even put it to words. Like I'm kind of speechless in it. It was beautiful. And like, I, I feel like I have an emphasis on what it feels like to graduate because of that. And like, it sounds so weird to say, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Like it means so much to me. I'm literally going to cry. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, I made, I made a movie for my, my senior class because I, I felt like we needed to make up for it in some way because we didn't get the happy ending. So it was called Sincerely 2020. And it's literally just like a montage of every moment leading up to this. And it meant a lot to a lot of people. And I don't know. I don't, this made my heart really happy. Why am I literally crying? <laughs> I don't know. It made me so happy to see that like something I had made to help bring people together. And it just placed even more emphasis on why I want to do this. And then graduation came and like, I don't regret making the movie at all. I'm just saying, I feel like I didn't need it. Like I was trying to make up for something that like my class did that all by themselves. And instead what it became is like, I got to capture every moment leading up to that. And I wish that I kind of wasn't graduating so I could capture the moments when everyone else was. It was like something I can't even explain. No one drove a car onto the football field or anything immensely exciting like that. I did have an instance, though, that I definitely will write about and put in a movie one day. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this or if I could potentially get in trouble for this now. I'm really not sure. If I get in trouble, just know that like 
My intentions were pure. I was trying to live life on the edge. I was in high school, even though it's just a year later, not even a year later. I really haven't changed that much. I would probably still do this today. So I'm not even going to say who I was with, but she knows that she was with me. (laughs) We snuck onto the football field the day before graduation, literally crawled under the chain link fence because we wanted to see the setup and the stage and all that stuff. When I say that this feeling was like nothing I've ever felt before, like it is surreal to be on a football field the day before graduation in pitch black with tons of chairs that aren't feel like filled and then a massive stage. Like I wish I could put that feeling towards the best thing I can think of is like when you go into a movie and it's daylight and then you walk out of the movie and it's dark and then suddenly you feel like the hero of your own film and like you can change the world. That is what it felt like to sneak onto the football field the night of graduation. And you bet your sweet ass, I was up on the stage like, and the Oscar goes to (laughs) Mac Johnson. That was me in high school. I'm kind of full of myself, but only when no one's watching. (laughs) But anyways, back to Booksmart. They, for the graduation scene itself, in the screenplay, there were actually supposed to be two very long speeches. And these came from Molly and Jared. But Olivia wanted it to finally be like Molly had nothing left to say, kind of like how I had nothing left to say when talking about graduation. Like, it's overwhelming. It's it's hard to talk. And Katie Silverman, who was a screenwriter, was actually so open to this because it worked. Like in having like half the speech be Jared's because Molly was late, like it came out so much better, in my opinion, because she was right there next to Amy, despite everything that happened between them the night before. And this is what I mean by it being dramatic. In that third act. And throughout the film, we have a lot of the iconic one-liners that really do emphasize the comedy. My personal favorite being Shakespeare in the park. King lot. (laughs) Where nobody's winning in that outfit. And then the karaoke scene. I can't even quote him on it. It's like, like she has no breath control, but she's on pitch. It's good. (laughs) I love that one. Not to mention him deep-throating the microphone. That was also pretty, pretty funny. I had to replay that a lot. But I feel like it just characterizes the film so well. Like, it's not overwhelming, but, like, the comedy is definitely there. It's just embedded into the world of high school so well because, like, that's literally, like, it's what it's like. It's a bunch of bullshit all the time and, like, nobody can keep up. And with that being said, they don't focus on the comedy, too. Like, I feel like in a lot of movies, you write a line. The writer will, like, hover on that line and the characters are like, whoa, I can't believe that just happened. This film doesn't do that. Like, they just move on. Like, something funny just fucking happened and they just keep going which I feel like is what real life is. Like, they're not going to stop and laugh about how hilarious they are. Like, no, it's normal to them. Like, stuff like this happens all the time. Which is probably why, like, me as a viewer, I had to keep pausing and stuff because I had to give myself, like, room to laugh (laughs) because they were just going to keep going. I think Livia Wilde really, really hit the ball out of the park with this. Now, she comes from acting. She's done some short films and stuff, but like I said, this was her first time, like, her first directorial It was her directorial debut. What is English? I need to start doing these at night. (laughs) Oh my gosh. If I could, I would. But she's, you'd be pleased to know that she is keeping up the directing. She's now working on a film. It's a thriller. So something very different from Booksmart. So I'm so freaking excited to see what else she's capable of. And it's called Don't Worry, Darling. Now I know Florence Pugh is in this one from what I've heard. And if you listened to the last episode, if you did, thank you. I love you. Um, Florence Pugh was in this one and I'm in love with her. So I will be watching this the day it comes out. Not because of Florence Pugh solely, but that, that's a perk. 
This also probably has to do with my love for little women as well. Kind of obsessed with that. I also talked about that on this podcast. (laughs) All right. So get excited for that film. And I really can't think of anything else. I cannot believe I just sat here for 30 minutes and rambled on with no notes. I'm kind of really proud of myself. Dang. Okay. Moment of silence. That was for my last few brain cells and for my accomplishment today. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed spending whatever time of the day it is with me. I can for once say that I have no idea what I'm doing next week or the week after that. I don't know what movie you should be watching. I might do like a poll. We can vote on it. Somebody can suggest a movie. That'll be fun. Anyways, as they say in Hollywood, that's a wrap. Peace out, movie lovers.